Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of This is the Waypoint, the show here on the Waypoint Podcast, where we're going to be reviewing each episode of Mandalorian Season 2, episode by episode. This week, we are going to be reviewing, obviously, Chapter 2, Episode 1, The Marshal. Joining me directly on my right on screen <laughs> is none other than some other Josh. This is the way. Excellent. Nothing else needed. <laughs> Nothing else needed, nope. <laughs> That's it, just cut it out, it's done. <laughs> done. Up here we have the wonderful Jordan Deeb. Our code. <laughs> such is our code. <laughs> such is our code, my bad. And so new to the... Such a... I don't know, dude, I can't keep up with it anymore. <laughs> I feel like it changes all the time. <laughs> yeah. And then directly above me is new to the Waypoint Podcast here to do this with us, uh, local Star Wars nerd and good friend of the show, Sir Jim Tasty. Take that armor off. <laughs> I'm spicy already. <laughs> hot. He Ooh. said he was coming in with the hot takes, and he wasn't joking, man. He's already here for it. <laughs> now, I want to get something out of the way here, all right? Mm-hmm. I called you Jim Tasty. Your, your name's Brett. Yeah. I've been told you're not a, not really a fan of the sequels. Um, don't you motherfucker! No, 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 just hold on. I have a, I'm going. I'm going somewhere with this. I'm not, I don't want to talk about it. Is yes or no? Do you like the sequels? Uh, in the middle, you could sure. say. Yeah, I, I like them. Yeah. I only bring it up because that's that's that was Josh told me he's like just don't talk about the sequels around him, and yet this <laughs> motherfucker comes in wearing a Rise of Skywalker shirt. <laughs> you don't yeah. Have to see it though. You love to see yeah. It. <laughs> I, I look at I look at the you know like a Star, Star Wars movie like yeah episode nine for example like you know going to the theater the whole experience mm-hmm. you know you have a good time you know eating popcorn so yeah yeah I, I I like them now of course I see that Jordan and and Brett are of course sporting Star Wars memorabilia I'm not I don't have a shirt on today but I do have my wonderful the child pants. Ooh, I can't. Let's go. They're very they're very <laughs> much pajama pants but they have pockets it's great. And comfortable. I love that. I hate when they don't have pockets. It's the worst. It's the worst because what am I supposed to do with my yeah. phone? Right. Carry exactly. it. Exactly. Like a like a caveman, I have to carry my phone around <laughs> without any pockets. It's ridiculous. No. Awesome. So some of something I want to do to to start this out is is just give me a minute or two. It's uh, what's your kind of history of Star Wars? Maybe give me a favorite movie. Josh, you first. Uh, history of Star Wars. I was like grew up with the prequels and so that was always my like touchstone mm-hmm. um right seeing uh two and three in the theaters i was like huge into it for the longest time i had all the action figures i played all the games on ps2 back in the day and then i like fell off for a period um just because there wasn't really anything new coming out and like i stuck around for the first two seasons of um of Clone Wars and then completely dropped off. But it was like, as soon as the force awakens came back, like that just reignited my love. And I was like, let's go, let's jump back in. Like, let's get right into this. And, uh, yeah, I've been riding the star Wars train hardcore <laughs> ever since. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Jordan, what about you, man? So kind of like Josh, but a little bit less. It's like, I, I always saw star Wars around me growing up and I enjoyed it. I mean, I saw, I think the only one I saw or the first one I saw in theaters, I mean, was like revenge of the Sith. And then I just watched the rest through renting the movies at my local library. And 
uh, the video games helped a lot, and then it was just like I've I've never been a fanatic, but I've always been a fan. Cool. You know, but I never went like too in depth in the lore, and it was the sequels. Even though I'm pretty mixed on them, it was the sequels that I think reignited it for me as an adult. Um, but I've talked a lot about Star Wars. I actually did a podcast with a different friend of mine after she's never seen any, and then she watched every single movie all in a row in one weekend, and we just discussed the Star Wars. Hell yeah. Yeah. Brett. But no, definitely a fan. Oh, sorry. Yeah, for sure. Okay, good. I, I would hope so. You're here. <laughs> Brett, how about you, man? Oh, I've I've lived and breathed Star Wars since I've been about four years old with the uh, special edition on VHS, and then seeing the prequels, each one in theaters, uh, going to episode three, midnight release when I was 12, got to skip school the next day, uh, living and breathing the video games in the early 2000s, like KOTOR, Jedi Outcast, all those that helped you know, carry the torch, you know, through that dark period from what, 2005 <laughs> to 2015, even though, even though Clone Wars is out, I didn't watch Clone Wars actively uh, when it was out uh, or airing. So yeah. And then, you know, camping in line for episode seven and, and nine for like five hours. Uh, Cause the theater I go to like, doesn't do advanced seating. So yeah, I, I, I've think about Star Wars every day, wow. man. I love it. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's something I just realized I forgot to do. I, and today's host, Chris LePak, a.k.a. RubblePack92. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your, your story is very similar to my own, just as, as far as, like, history with Star Wars. My my father and my family is a huge, huge fan, and, and so that it eventually extended to my mother and then myself and then my siblings. And so, I mean, my whole family, like, lives and breathes Star Wars. Uh, like, in the, in the 90s, uh, when they re-released the original movies before uh, in theaters, before, like, leading up to the release of episode one was my initial experience with it because I would have been about four or five or so. And, I mean, yeah, I had had those on VHS later. I saw, I've seen all of the movies in, in theaters now, technically. Um, I mean, yeah, I was I was deep into the video games. I read a bunch of the comics. I, I still read lots and lots of the novels and, and, and stuff. Like, Star Wars is a huge part of my, I mean, it's, you know, I got my Stormtrooper helmet back there. My my wall over here is just covered in, in Star Wars stuff. Like, it's it's... It's a huge part of part of my wife, my life, my wife's life, 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 and uh, yeah, that's kind of where we're at. All right, well, thank you guys for that. I appreciate that. So now let's really get into it, guys. Fuck me, I loved this episode. Holy Are shit, we... it was good. We're getting right into um, it. They said, I, 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 full spoilers. Full spoilers. Get it. Just get it out there, man. We're here to talk Perfect. about the episode. We're not doing like a plot <laughs> breakdown or nothing. Just damn, I love it so much. So, yeah, I thought. I thought. It was um, everything great about what Star Wars is in terms of uh, telling a story that stands on its own, incorporating uh, characters and, and elements from the wider canon. Uh, you know, I mean, Cobb Vanth, you know, a super minor character in the Aftermath trilogy, like bringing him onto the screen was like massive. Uh, obviously, the, the big character reveal at the end, uh, you know, kind of references to Legends video games and, and books and, and comics and it, it was just fantastic technically speaking cinema with the cinematography all that it was fantastic I, I i definitely got the feeling going into this too uh, especially so you you hit that one point where the like right when you really see the crate dragon like come out of the cave and the aspect yeah, oh ratio changes into 69 dude uh, yeah <laughs> which yeah. is so sick i was like oh shit they filmed this on on, on imax and then Cobb Vanth and, and uh, Din like both take off in the jetpack and they go up and because and, it comes out the side of the mountain and I, I looked over at my wife I was like 
They definitely have more budget this season. <laughs> it's yeah. like, holy shit, yeah. it looks so good. Season one was like 100 million. <laughs> season two got to be 200 million. Right? Oh, yeah, like, dude. Easily. Yeah. It's absolutely like, incredible. Uh, I thought there were a couple points where, like, the CGI was, a uh, like, like oof. Like, um, it wasn't looking too hot. Like, especially the, like, fight at the beginning. And, like, um, when he's riding in on town, I was, like, into the town. I was like, there's a couple where I'm like, this doesn't look as good but you know what it's like there's still there's still signs that it's a tv show like yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. jordan it sounded like you had something to say yeah yeah no so like i remember the night before i it came out i was like talking to a friend of mine and i was like listen like i loved the first season absolutely but i also watched the first season just this past summer so like it's still pretty fresh in my mind it's not a year old like uh, people who watched it live mm-hmm. or as they dropped i guess mm-hmm. um but i remember just saying like it was a fantastic show, and I want more, but I don't really know what it is, what it's about. Like, I know it's about Mando, but, like, it doesn't end there, but I don't know how else to describe it. So it's just like, I just wonder what they're going to do. There's a lot that they can go off of. Mm-hmm. And then just the episode started, and I was like, nope, I'm fully back into this. I don't know why. Just This one just hooked me in. And then it just yeah. it built it with, with mm-hmm. the reveal of the marshal. Um, or actually before that, with the return of the – I don't know her name, but the – the mechanic with, that the, with, the, with, the, with the big curly hair and the pit droids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's her yeah. actress's name. Yeah. You know, it built with her, and then it built with the the marshal who has, you know, we we're all saying was wearing Boba's armor. So it's just like, okay, okay, because that's the one thing I want from this, but I don't want it too much. I want it to touch on the more mainstream Star Wars universe that we all know and love. But I don't want it, and like obviously this is an exaggeration, but I don't need it to be about the Skywalkers or Luke and Leia yeah. or Vader. Like I just need it to be tangent to that. And I think that, you know, something like a guy wearing Boba Fett's armor, and then at the end of the episode, the reveal that Boba's alive is a really good tangent of just like, hey, we're touching on the mainstream stuff, and it's gonna be cool, but it's not. It is. It's still. It's. It still is its own story. Yeah. There's. There's just enough of the of the things that we know to kind of to kind of be like oh yeah perfect like this is this is kind of what makes Star Wars but at the same time it it also it kind of takes place around the outskirts of of everything else that was that was going on if that if that that makes sense of it um something that I really really liked that this episode did too cuz I was I was in a similar place as, as you Jordan to where I was like there's a lot of ways that it could go just uh, from where last season ended off and and it felt like it was like cool I have a direction but I also kind of don't i was like i have no idea what they're gonna do with this one and then yeah this one started i was like fuck yes i'm in let's go um right and they they did such a great job with that opening scene with the the gamorian fighting ring and everything and, and talking to the to the owner there of one really really again just reminding everybody of what the setup for for this is is like hey this is it's dirty grimy cd like un- underworld shit that's going on yeah um but also showing that it's, it's like yeah the mandalorian's a good guy but he's not altruistic uh, uh, mm-hmm. to the point where I mean, you know, he ties the dude up, he blasts the lights off, so the things will come come and eat him. Is he's, he's like, I love that. He's yeah, which was a fantastic scene. Yeah. But uh, but yeah. I mean, he's he's like he's not a great person. <laughs> yeah, you know right. what I mean. It's it, it, like he'll works for the good reasons. Exactly, exactly, and and I mean, it's like he will. He'll always he'll come to a fair agreement with people, and he'll honor that. But don't fuck with him. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like you yeah. do that, you're gonna die. <laughs> as soon as he asks, good at reading armor. people. Oh yeah, yeah. No, don't tell yeah. don't just don't talk about the armor around him. Just don't do nope. it. Don't ask. <laughs> yeah. nope. How about the soundtrack, man? Especially uh, on the first planet, dude. Like the synthy techno vibes. Like yeah, yeah. Like 
it's it's it, but also it does a great job of where this you don't want a soundtrack to dominate you know the scene but also it also you also want it to influence you subliminally and mm-hmm. i thought like it, especially at the beginning and then throughout yeah it was just fantastic with the soundtrack yeah yeah, it's, it's very cool to, to to hear. I mean, it's like you get a lot of the the themes from from season one back in in this one clearly, mm-hmm. especially since I mean we're in the episode they go back to Tatooine. Um, right. But uh, but I mean it's it's all remixes isn't necessarily the right word, but it is kind of remixes. Like they're like they're mm-hmm. he's he's rearranging a lot of the, the the themes and stuff from from the first one, playing with new instruments, yeah. with time signatures, doing doing all that stuff, and changing it in a way that it still feels fresh. But you're like, ah, yes, I I remember this song and it, it fuck me it just sounds dope man anytime you you mix like 808s with an orchestra like i'm there for it man that's so sick oh absolutely it's so sick absolutely and i i don't know how to pronounce the composer's name it's like Lud- ludwig Le- ludwig Gorenson. Yeah. yeah he's like childish gambino's producer and like scored community and black panther and uh mm. tenant okay yeah Which, yeah um, like, oh okay. great job all throughout and yeah it's like it brought me right back to it's like season one and i yeah it's like classical yeah. music and like film score, but like mixed with a touch, a touch of not just modernism, but also like the, um, the more futuristic sounding stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's kind of it's a really, it's really a really well. unique thing. So I was just, I was just before this watching the, uh, the Disney gallery series on season one. And, mm-hmm. uh, he, he mentions how like the, the, I guess now iconic, the, he bought with some like, here he'd played with some recorders that he bought off the internet because he because he was like I've never seen a recorder this big before and purchased it and and then like wrote <laughs> wrote that bit with it I was like I never would have guessed it was a fucking recorder yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> wow <laughs> oh, I'm not too in, uh too musically uh, knowledgeable but I do know that like bigger instruments of the same instrument make very different sounds because my oh, yeah. cousin plays the flute and she once shared a video of some guy playing a flute probably like the size of me which logistically <laughs> i still don't remember how but it still counted as a flute and it just it really sounded like if a flute was as low as a tuba i, what, so, yeah, I, was, yeah, I was about to ask at what point does a flute become like a saxophone <laughs> like when it's that big <laughs> and you gotta hold it out here oh yeah no, that's what i felt like but it sounded like that but still with like the the more windy noise so that's so listen, cool man music's weird but it's music's cool weird. but it's weird that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Um, something that that Brett had touched on too was was just how uh, the the sort of like legends and like expanded universe references that they have, which there were a lot in this episode that don't necessarily have to be. They, I, th- I think they did a really good job because there were there were a couple episodes last season where I I love that stuff as as somebody that's very very deep into that sort of thing. But there were a couple episodes, especially the the tattooing episode last time. Where I was like, okay, there's there's a lot going on here. This just feels like a reference fest, and uh, there there are some really really cool ones here that it it didn't pull me out of it to to where I was like too much. Uh, one of it was great seeing R five again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. dude. I was like, I was like, is that the droid from the first movie? I was like, what? <laughs> the one that self destructed and yeah. go get R two. Yeah, it's like Uncle yeah. Owen, this one's got a bad motivator. Look, and it's a <laughs> yeah. And I was like, ah, he lives. <laughs> He's alive. Um, one, of, I think my favorite reference outside of just Cobb Vanth himself being there, because he is a character from the books that uh, that, that came back in. There's, there's a couple things I want to touch on with Cobb in a few minutes. But uh, Cobb Speeder was Anakin's engine from his pod racer. I love that. Immediately. Yeah. To, the, to the point where, where they even... Out. Where they, they, they took the 
sound effect from his interview. Obviously, it's modified, so the sound effect of it is modified even. But it's like you can hear it just enough to where you're like, yeah, that's Anakin's engine. Like, what the fuck? Right. <laughs> Up on that. Yeah. It, it, it's just something about Star Wars where it's like, okay, like, like it didn't need to be there, but then you see it there, and it, it's just like instantly brings you back to seeing episode one. I literally replayed episode one Racer a few days ago. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's right. <laughs> It's just like, man, episode like, one. Uh, Duel of the Fates? True, true. You know what? You got me there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like, yeah, it's just like, man, pod racing is just awesome. Like, and then you see that, you know, modified. It's like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Like, it just makes it's it just a little awesome. thing that makes it better. I saw, I saw yeah. a comment, too, that, that I think almost kind of speaks a little bit to, to the character just in that I mean is like you know this dude's wearing Boba Fett's armor he's riding around in, in Anakin's pod racer he's like does he own anything that that was originally his <laughs> like is all of his <laughs> stuff taken from other people the red you shirt the obnoxious red <laughs> shirt with the big ass sleeves that's, so that's that's, that's what awesome. I that's what I wanted to touch on it and and this is this is one of my favorite things that that I think the episode did um because there were a lot of rumors that like leading up to the to the, the real episode that Kavanth was was going to be in it because we knew that Tamara Morrison was going to be in the show, but we didn't know whether he was going to be Boba or if he was coming back as Rex or doing something else along those lines. Right. Um, but I mean, yeah, like Brett mentioned, Kavanth is in the aftermath trilogy. It's it's never it's never from his perspective. It's always people being in Freetown, which is uh, Mos Pelgo, um, hmm. where where he was already the marshal at that point in in seeing them from from their perspective and i believe there's a there's a short story in, in like how he acquired the armor in in that even um but there's a lot of it is like there's a lot of apprehension to where it's like okay if they do Cobb vanth and the first time we see this person and he's in boba fett's armor and then he takes the helmet off and it's not boba fett that's gonna make people mad <laughs> like that's gonna make people real mad and they did such a very very good job of like the the camera pans over and he's standing there and it's boba fett's armor but it's like <laughs> the moment you see him you can tell that's not boba fett uh, exactly. Yeah, the physicality right. was just way different. Yeah, it's it's like it clearly it clearly doesn't fit him properly because because it, it's like yeah. he's wearing it like a cut off essentially on on the chest yeah. and and then the use of the red shirt on on there it's it, it immediately tells you ah okay that's not actually Boba. Mm -hmm. um, right. But but then it's like for people that might not know who Kavanth are or or even that Boba Fett is dead or or, or whatever it's uh it it. It can signal that without having to explain everything about that character that's happened outside of the legend. They did a really, really good job of taking something that's already established and working it in so that people that might not have read Aftermath can understand who this character is. Just well done. Well done. It kind of reminded me of like a Fallout New Vegas character the first time it panned to him, like just having only some of the pieces of armor, but not all of it. And it's like, mm -hmm. we're mixing and matching here, but it doesn't look fully correct. And then as soon as he takes off his helmet and it's Timothy Elephant, I'm like, all right. Yeah. With like, his incredible hair. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I know. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I noticed that like, yeah, uh, yeah uh, Cobb Vanth, his hair was like perfect, man. And then, you know, <laughs> in season one, you know, um, Din Djarin's hair was like all messed up. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. man, like what? Yeah. What's he doing with his hair? What kind of hair products is he using? I know. How exactly. does it stay that way in the helmet? He takes it off and it's just <laughs> it's just glowing. Glowing. Exactly. <laughs> it's like that's his superpower. It's just the charm. <laughs> Here, so I, I love Timothy Oliphant as, as Cobb Vanth. I really hope he's in the season later or they bring him back for season three or something. Like I want to see more Cobb Vanth. Right. Vanth Refrigeration. Yeah, I I think I think 
they could they could definitely follow the same blueprint where in season one you know you meet Cara Dune you meet you know all the all the people that end up teaming up with him at the end so I I could totally see Cobb Vanth coming back at the end of this at, at the end of season two mm-hmm. for sure yeah that'd be very cool um so something else I want to talk about is as far as just kind of uh expanded universe stuff touched on was the the crate dragon itself uh, which which is in a lot of of expanded universe material, and so it was weird to see one that didn't have legs. Uh, yeah, it was. It it came out, and it's. I apparently I missed the first time that they called it a crate dragon because they they started talking about. It. There's the scene where they're where they're all at the camp, and they keep saying the dragon, the dragon. I looked over my wife. I was like, is it a crate dragon? And uh, she's like, yeah, yeah, that's what they said. And I went, oh, okay. I, I I I didn't hear that. I thought it was an Alaskan bullworm. Like uh, <laughs> SpongeBob. Yeah, what? It's my favorite summarization I've seen in the episode so far. Is like, why don't we just take Moss Pelgo and push it somewhere else? <laughs> As someone who's not too familiar with that creature, because I I don't know too much of Star Wars lore outside, you know, the main movies. Mm-hmm. At first, I thought that I didn't know that the Sarlacc pit could move, and that that was the Sarlacc pit. And then they mentioned it. I was like, okay. And then they just kept referring to it as the dragon or the crate dragon but mm-hmm. i felt like i heard them wrong. i was like oh they're calling it the great dragon oh. like it was a legend or something and then after like some google i was like oh no okay this is like a thing it's a creature mm-hmm. but they do a good job of making it make sense for people like you chris who i think are more familiar with in-depth lore and then people like me who like i have a base level knowledge of star wars and everything and like it still works for me i know that this is a creature they need to take care of it that's more than enough for the audience to know what the objective is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is the beauty of Star Wars really is that everything on on screen ever has a ridiculously long backstory? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Can't um, wait for the crate dragon action figure, the big playset. Just... Oh, dude. <laughs> you dragon, know man. it's coming. I can make yeah, a uh, Lego set. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they get a thousand dollar Lego set. I can I can do a real mean uh crate dragon balloon animal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like going going back to the Cray Dragon, like it's not a direct Kotor like ripoff, but it's literally the same setup with the giant cave with with the Cray Dragon being inside of it, setting up kind of bombs to lure it outside. Yep. I was like, I was like, oh dude, this is this is just like Kotor, man. Uh, yeah. A little bit different, obviously. But... Yeah, I was, I was about to say, and I mean, even to the point where, so in for for background in the Knights of the Republic video game, there there's a uh, an, a mission where you can hunt a, hunt down a Cray Dragon. Um, and from from what I understand too, it's there there are kind of different like subspecies of, of crate dragons. So the one that appears in the video game is different than the one in, in the show. It's actually got legs and it walks out and it was much younger, is my understanding of it. Uh, just for all you lore nerds that are like, it's not the same. It is the same. Um, <laughs> Tatooine, and then yeah. you have the Southern Tatooine, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's too complete, too completely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but the the whole setup to that mission is you have to go get some explosives and then you have to find like bantha fodder to lure banthers out so that way it'll it'll come out and want to eat a bantha. And I was like, so there's yeah. They start putting explosives in the ground, and then they peg this bantha into, into the ground, and they're like, "All right, come out." I was like, oh, "It's just like the game." <laughs> and then even even further past that is in the game after you kill the crate dragon, you get a crate dragon pearl, uh, which and there's a scene at the end of the show where you see the the Tuscans pull it out, and they're like, "Aha, we have the pearl!" And I went, "No fucking way!" <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> Everything. Yeah, they really did. the The yeah. difference there, of course, being I guess being uh, like an older dragon is a really like he's holding it up with two hands like this, pulling it up mm-hmm. like the like the the weird orb at the end of episode one. 
uh, peace. Uh, whereas in the <laughs> <laughs> in the game, it's like that big because you can put it in your lightsaber. Yep. <laughs> Interesting. Like what plus six attack power or something? It's, it's pretty good actually. Oh yeah, you want that? You want that pearl? <laughs> do that mission if you played Knights of the Republic ever. Will do. <laughs> even even even, even the um the the crate dragon scream was like exactly like obi-wan in uh episode four i want to say it, it wasn't like exactly the same it, it felt like an amalgamation of like the three different versions george lucas using like, yeah the three it's, it's, it sounded more like the the one that they use in like the most recent like blu-ray cut yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. I think I read something about how this like confirms a theory about what noise he made. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone is always kind of wondering, and then it's, I don't, I don't actually know where the source of it came from, but I mean, yeah, you're you're right. Where somebody was like, oh yeah, he scares them off using a crate dragon sound, and I was like, wait, he fucking does. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I guess they they took and modified that that sound effect for the show, and I'm like, cool, that's awesome. Like, I you love uh, to see is, it. Like, yeah. they're doing a great job of of uh tying stuff together like that um something else i also wanted to point out too just not it's not like a, a legends like like wow look at this thing with this crazy backstory it's just an appreciation for the way that they're building out the uh tuscan raiders yes absolutely mm -hmm. uh the all of the the conversations with them uh like kind of learning a bit more about their culture like learning that they that they use like sign language and 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 mm -hmm. voice at the same time was was very very cool um I think I'd seen something about one of the extras that played the Tuscan Raiders, like brought up the idea because it was a it was a deaf actor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I they did that for season that. one. They, the the actor they hired for season one was deaf, and so they incorporated sign language into his acting, along with adding it to the like the uh, Tuscan Raider lore. And um, yeah, just like. Uh, like you know, you you watch the Star Wars movies even as a kid. You watch episode forty, and you know that the Tusken Raiders aren't like mindless creatures. Mm -hmm. But and like, but but then when you actually see it in this episode, and even last season too, like it just really uh, makes you feel bad for them. You know, especially not only like you know how they get mistreated by uh, you know the other cre other uh, civilizations on Tatooine, but like you know, looking back at episode two, man, that. So that's a rough scene, even even more <laughs> as time goes on. It's like wow, yeah, uh, yeah. Anakin just slaughters like a whole village of them. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things from uh, the expanded universe I know is that Vader goes back every year to on the anniversary of his mother's death and just slaughters more. Just kills a bunch of them. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which obviously is horrible. But it just seems really inconvenient. Like if you're just on the other side of the galaxy and he's like, "Listen, man, it's tomorrow. We gotta get going." <laughs> It's also hilarious to to think about too, because motherfucker hates sand. Mm -hmm. you know? Exactly. <laughs> Probably gets it in his Vader boots now. In his Vader <laughs> boots. <laughs> yeah, he's mechanical now, man. That's that's a no no now. Yeah. So, so something that's that's not necessarily like confined to the to this episode, but this is just something that I that I that I really love about Star Wars is you get that scene uh, when Cobb Vanth comes into the bar. And uh, he walks. He walks up to the to the Weequay bartender. He's like, Weequay, I need uh, two spotches of uh, scotchna. And uh, and I was like, What the fuck is a spotch? And he pulls out like like little glasses. And I'm like, Why does Star Wars have a name, a stupid <laughs> name, for fucking everything? Like you could say, <laughs> just give me two glasses of whatever. And he's like, No, yeah. two, two spotches. And I'm like, Oh my god. <laughs> 
but something that I found out about that drink, though, is that um, do you do y'all remember the episode with the ATST Walker from season one? Yeah, yeah episode four. Yeah. Um, and I and I and I want to make sure that I got that name right. I don't I don't think I did. I think it was called Spoch, uh Spochka. 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 Thank you. Spochka is is what those villagers make. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's made from the from the, the the blue like krill that that were in all those little uh, those little ponds. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I think in the uh, bar the bar that they're in on that planet. Um, yeah, they they order a bunch for him and Kara. That right. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, and uh, it's just one of those yeah. things where I'm like, cool, love it. <laughs> yeah. Another thing I remembered from that episode is I was watching this one and he get to the town to come help kill the uh, the great dragon and i think i texted my friend i was like mando will not stop until every village is trained in how to use a gun because <laughs> <laughs> like this is the second time now that he just went to this village of random people and was like you're all gonna learn how to shoot you're all right. gonna learn how to fight and we're gonna kill something way bigger than us yeah you're not you're not wrong it, which fantastic scene though too to where i mean you know cop turns to him and he's like what did you say he's like oh i volunteered your village <laughs> yeah, like we're all you're, you're fighting. Um, yeah. Big, big shout out though too. I think this is like the most clearly like spaghetti western episode of Mandalorian so far. Yeah. Uh, which is just a format that I think works so well for for this show. You mm-hmm. kind of got the the mix of the lone wolf and cub and, and the lone gunslinger kind of thing going on for it, and it just it works, man. It works. Yeah. Even yeah. Uh, Mando when he's walking into the part, like. He starts to sound like he has, is it spangles on the back of the boots or whatever? Spurs. 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 Yeah. Spurs, yeah. Like it's, he's starting to sound like he has spurs. When he's so walking, that's, like you can hear the like clicks and the clacks and it's like, damn, that's really, we're just getting more Western as we go. That's something very, very important though too because um, in the in the Tatooine episode from season one after uh, like Mando, because like, you get the shot of, of that body and you hear the spurs walk up to, to the body and, and somebody... I remember I was on a Reddit thread after that, after that episode came out, and somebody was like, "There's only one person like so far in Star Wars that has like a spur sound effect when walking, and that was Boba Fett." Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, Interesting. "Wait for real?" And so I went back and watched Empire Strikes Back, and yeah, it's it, he's got the spur sound effect when he's when he's walking. And so that was that was what kind of started the spark where, uh, for a lot of people. Where it was like, "Oh shit, Boba Fett might actually be in the Mandalorian." Of course, now he right. is, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a minute because I'm I'm losing my mind over it. Um, <laughs> But so so now at this point, uh, we we know Boba, Boba Fett had it, and, the, and he did have it at the end of the episode too, when he when he turns around, like he still have it even without all the armor and stuff on. But Cobb Vanth had it as as well, and so it's all kind of people that essentially have worn or wear that Mandalorian armor, like get that that sound effect, and it's a, it's a really really cool like audio thing that they do to, where your brain picks up on that, and you might not even realize like that's kind of what's what's happening there. But also, yeah, it does make it hella western when you get the shot of the entrance to a. <laughs> to a bar and he's silhouetted out in the front and you just hear the spurs jangling yeah. as he's walking in and I'm like fuck I love it <laughs> yeah yeah okay so let, let's talk about the big one then Boba Fett's back my boy is alive <laughs> he lives and he looks and he looks pissed because he ain't got no eyebrows <laughs> so that was my yeah. thing is I, I realized what they were doing right away but I went, is that Boba Fett? Because mm-hmm. one of the fun tidbits about Star Wars that I do know is that his name's 
slips me. Tamor Morrison. Tamura Morrison. Yeah. Tamora Tamora. Morrison. Yeah. I know that since he's played Django, he has been really cool with just reusing his voice. I know he's in Clone Wars. I know he's done sound effects for a bunch of the games that a clone will appear in. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't keep up with how he's aged. So I saw him and I went, that's not that dude. So to me, that's not Boba Fett. <laughs> yes, fair. And, uh, and we also, technically, the only time we see Boba Fett without his helmet is in episode two when he's a kid. Yeah. Like, pa- past that every, every yeah, other Boba, Boba appearance. Yeah. supposed to be a clone of Jango Fett, so I at least yeah. had an idea, but I just I haven't kept up with how he's aged. And, you know, he doesn't look bad by any means. No, he looks good me, for his age. Oh, that's too different. And, I mean, he clearly had his hair all burned off from the, the Sarlacc. stomach acid of the Sarlacc. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, he had the gaffy stick and the ra- and the rifle and everything. It's like motherfucker looks cool, dude. Yeah, <laughs> he does. So, cool. so, so something I'm interested in seeing, and I want you guys' thoughts on this is, um, man, uh, like Din Djarin, the the Mandalorian himself is is obviously he's he's very like in, into the whole Mandalorian thing, and it's my understanding that the the new canon is like is that Jango Fett himself was not a Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I. So yeah, it, it's not. I don't think it's been officially confirmed. All I know is Almec in the Clone Wars makes an offhand comment that Jango wasn't a Mandalorian, and the way I interpret that is because he's like a shady dude and he's very arrogant with Mandalorian culture, especially with how he governed mm-hmm. uh, Mandalore. Was that he was ashamed of of Jango? Mm-hmm. Um, so I just I hope I hope Jango and. Uh, extended to Boba that they're Mandalorians. Now, and, and it's, it's I think I think it's open enough to to where it's like technically he said he wasn't a Mandalorian, but it could be interpreted like like you said as as just kind of it's like well he went off to go be a bounty hunter and we aren't about that because I because he would have done owned him. Yeah, it 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 because mm-hmm. I mean he would have gone and done that at a time where the Mandalorians were were peacekeepers. It's like they were very peaceful people, um, mm-hmm. and and they probably would have looked down on somebody that killed for hire, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but I am inter- interested in in seeing how Din Djarin acts around Boba Fett when I think they inevitably meet. They have to now right. that he's that he's in, right? I I don't think they'll be antagonists. I think they'll actually work together because they have no reason though. to fight. I want to see him fight though. <laughs> I really yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> Just for like a second, because they're both super badass. The way mm. they showed like his face and like walking off. I, I had a feeling that he's definitely going to become, if maybe not permanently, he's definitely going to have some sort of conflict. It's yeah. not going to be a where we're befriending him, at least not right away. Yeah, because he looks like he's out for blood. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, it's like so. Uh, the Mandalorian only takes place, I believe, five years after the end of Return of the Jedi. Um, yeah. And so, it, within that five years, dude had to crawl out of an alien's pit, gets all, all burned up, his armor's gone. He's probably spent this five this five years looking for his damn armor, and he's like, "Aha! I found it! There it goes." As Boba Fett drives away, or as Din Djarin drives away with his armor. <laughs> yeah, it almost looked like he was wearing some sort of like Tuscan outfit, and he had mm-hmm. some sort of Tuscan like stick too. So he, had, like, he like... had he had both the the Tuscan gaffy stick and one of their rifles. Uh, it, yeah. it, 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 yeah, I'm almost like. What if he was in disguise as a Tuscan Raider the whole time? Like, what if he's in that yeah. episode? Oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. Like, we gotta. Is that supposed to be the Tuscan Raider's face, or is that like a mask type of thing? That's a mask. It, it's a okay. mask. Yeah, yeah, it's a mask. I don't know that we really know what a Tuscan Raider looks what like. They look like, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think we do. I know there was that Legends character who like he was a Jedi and then turns into a Sith or whatever, the one Sith or whatever. Yeah, there there was a Tuscan Raider Jedi that follows the dark side for a while. It got really dumb, but it was also cool. <laughs> that's, that's yeah, kind of cool. Legends. <laughs> that's Legends as a whole. It's like the concept's really cool. Execution, not so much. That's what uh, I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh shit! There was one more thing that I wanted to get into, and now I've completely forgotten it because I started talking about. Tuscan Raiders. <laughs> how about how about how about Tuscan Raider podcast? I know, right? <laughs> like I know, I know it wasn't Boba, but just seeing that Boba Fett armor actually fly around and do cool stuff, like, like Bo, like I love Boba Fett. He kind of mm. goes out like a punk in the movie, obviously. One hundred percent. He kind he just stands around, looks cool, but actually right. seeing that armor fly around, seeing and seeing Dinjarin as well together, like. Mm-hmm. Like that's like I've wanted that like live action like jetpack action in Star Wars. Oh yeah, like, the, yeah. It's the Mandalorian as a whole is has has been a lot of sort of like childhood wish fulfillment. In that it's I one of one of the things I said after I watched the third episode when season one where uh, he's breaking the he's breaking the child out. All the other Mandalorians come in and there's a big fight in the city and I and I was just like this show is just like the shit that I would do with my action figures as a kid. I was like, that's, that's what this show is. And, and it's like, they keep hitting those notes for me every single time without making it too, seem too, like, cheesy is not necessarily the word, because there's a bit of cheese in, in, you gotta have a little bit of cheese in Star Wars, I feel like, for it to be right. Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, but it doesn't feel like, like it's, it's, it's trying to nostalgia too hard with a couple of exceptions. Right. Um, but I, I think they do a, a really good job of, of, of somehow hitting that, that experience of, of, like, this is exactly what I want from Star Wars. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That first part where you said, like, you know, it's all your childhood things. I was talking to the same friend I mentioned in the beginning that she never really watched Star Wars and then watched them all at once and got into it. She said, like, I, she said, I just don't get why people love Boba Fett so much. And I said that I think for most people... Boba Fett was like a character from when they were like 10 or something. And just there's something about his armor that to 10 year olds, specifically 10 year old boys, which obviously I'm not trying to gatekeep Star Wars, it's for <laughs> everyone and should be, but it was always pushed for male audiences as kids. So I just think that when you're a 10 year old boy and you're watching Boba Fett, you're like, this is the coolest dude I've ever seen. He's got a jetpack, he's got like a laser eye mask, which doesn't shoot lasers, but it looks like it could. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things where I just think that he was the cool guy. Mm-hmm. So now people just want more of him. Oh, yeah, 100%. Growing up is realizing that it's like, oh, Boba's kind of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Both Boba and Django. Whoa. I agree with that. I agree with that, actually. I would always joke with my friends about how Django actually is cooler because he actually does more in his movie versus Boba. But you got you to gotta remember. His was cleaner, sleeker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you got to remember with Boba what 1980 to what nine like 2002 really when you see Django like there's like that that's what like 32 years of Boba like everyone you know being fascinated by you know those like little lines Boba says or you know when he's walking with uh you know Han Solo and he does that quick look and then you know he does the the gun pull out real quick and like Mm -hmm. that's just 30 years of marinating on those like little quick cool moments and so I, I think that's probably a big reason why Boba Fett had, has developed such a fan base. And then, I mean, the, ar- the armor is iconic. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, it's just absolutely. Looks, 
so big, cool. big time, big time. Um, yeah. I think we're hitting uh, hitting about time for uh, for this week. But boys, thank you guys so much for coming on to talk about season two. Uh, what I want to do to wrap up is. Do you do y'all do y'all want to give these like rankings as we go, or how do y'all how do y'all want to do it? We didn't talk about it beforehand, and I should have. Same thing. Yeah. Like in terms of the nine chapters. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Oh, in terms of all of all nine. Interesting. Okay. Well, here's here's let what we'll do is once I once we end season two, mm-hmm. let's rank everything to together, and then as as we go through this for now, we'll just rank season two, and then once we get to the end of it, we'll we'll do a ranking of all of the episodes. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. yeah. Good All right. So, uh, chapter two, episode one, top of my ranking. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> you know, it's at the bottom of mine. <laughs> quick, quick danger. I love how it, it, it was titled chapter nine. Yeah. As it's like a part of a whole, like, you know what I mean? It's not like, yeah. it's not chapter one of season. Two. It's part of that. There's a whole, you know, story that they're telling. So, yeah. I yeah. Like, oh, I, did, chapter- I did pick up on that. Because because yeah. literally they, they like, sorry I'll save I'll be real quick but like do you think do you think literally in the trailer that they showed like a week ago like we saw like ninety percent of that trailer in this episode alone so we yep. really have no idea what's gonna be in the next couple episodes and then a lot of that trailer was from that from that opening scene yeah, yeah. yeah exactly yeah exactly and and then seeing as you booted up the episode seeing chapter nine like you're like okay so it's yeah. It's not segmented by season. It's a story at the end of the day. Yeah. 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 It 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 definitely like kind of gives that that vibe. It's like hey, there's a very clear direction that's 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 going on here, and it's all one, one thing. It's not it's not it hasn't been chopped up, and then they're working on it, um, which is cool. I like that a ton. Um, As for me, I'm I'm in a number rankings for for this sort of thing. Ten out of ten for me, boys. I love this episode. This might be my favorite one of of the whole show so far. No, I I can't think of. Just one just had so many good moments mm-hmm. that even like the low points just still added to them. Where I feel like, and I can't even think of an example top of my head, but even like the because there's no points, low points, it's great. <laughs> no, no, but I mean like even in other episodes where it's like they weren't that great of an episode or they were the more mixed ones, mm-hmm. the low points there, like again, I can't think of an example, but they 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 happened and they were fine. But like this one, just the whole thing just made me feel good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Even even comparing this episode to any moment in season one it just felt way more expansive in terms of the quality of the cinematography the action the visuals um it just felt a whole, like a whole step above and so i'm really excited to see where this uh season's gonna go yeah i think uh kind of kind of and it is, it's it's clearly they've they've done season one now where they were working with a lot of experimental new new technology and that sort of thing it's like now now we're at a point where it's like hey we know what we're doing at, at this mm-hmm. point, it's like we've worked with this technology. We know where the where where the story is going, and I think the overall quality of the show is only going to go up from here. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I also think they're better. They're now finding their stride as a show. Mm-hmm. Not that they yeah. were lost at all in the first season. I just think that now they know what they're. And we don't know what's going on in their heads, but I just think that in terms of not even story, but just straight up the uh, production and like what they want the show to be in terms of like its vibe, they yeah. have it down. Mm-hmm. I agree totally. Well. Let's let, let's go ahead and finish it. Thank you guys again for uh, for coming on, Brett. Where we can find you? Uh, you can find me at twitch.tv slash Jim Tasty. Um, it's a very almost chill vibe. Yeah, almost at seven hundred, and uh, yeah, just I, I you know just hanging out, gaming. So yeah, come on by. Heck yeah, Jordan. You can find me on Twitter at Jordan underscore Deeb, and on OnlyFans at No Armor Boba.
<laughs> I was like, what, for real? <laughs> it took you a second, yeah. Yeah, it was in my brain. I was like, what? <laughs> Josh? You can find me everywhere at some other Josh. Everywhere. He's all over the place. Everywhere. He is yeah. inevitable. And I... As I said entirely too late in this episode, I am Chris Rumblepack92. You can find me on twitch.tv slash Rumblepack92 where I frequently play games with that goober over there. And uh, I'm also on Twitter at the, at the same username and on YouTube at just Rumblepack. Of course, this has been This Is The Waypoint. Follow, Go watch the, the rest of our stuff. We're doing uh, a ranking of the PlayStation Plus collection right now. We're also just got a kind of general podcast. The first episode is up there at the Waypoint Podcast on YouTube.com. Thank you guys again. Have a good one. This is the way. Bye.